بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله وسلم على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين ما بعد so we continue الإخوة with the second principle the second question last week we talked about the pillars of Islam and before that we mentioned that the and the Imam he mentioned that the maratib and the levels of the religion are how many? Three. Three. What are they? Al Islam. Al Iman. And and Ihsan. Mumtaz. Al Ihsan. and so we we talked about the pillars of Islam and we stopped just before that that level of Iman. And we briefly talked about the difference between <coughs> Al-Islam and Iman. What these scholars say when they talk about Iman and Islam is that every level is higher than the one before it. That Iman is higher than Islam. And Ihsan is higher than Iman. And not every Muslim is a mu'min. It's not the case that every Muslim is a mu'min. It's not the case. And not every mu'min is a muhsin. We're going to explain this. Not every Muslim is a mu'min. And not every mu'min is a muhsin. Because you can get a person who is Muslim, but not a mu'min. He's a Muslim, but not a mu'min. To make this clear, and through this, uh, you will also see another difference between Islam and Iman. Islam refers, the scholars they say that Islam refers to the outward actions. Islam refers to the outward actions of the body. So for example, the first pillar in Islam, the testification to say the shahada, action upon the tongue. To say the shahada, the prayer, actions of the body, the zakah, to give in charity, these open actions, fasting, hajj, all of these are open actions, outward actions. As for iman, then iman refers to the inward actions. Iman refers to the inward actions, so the belief in Allah, the, the belief in the angels, the belief in the books, in the messengers, in the last day, in the qadr of Allah, that all of those pillars of iman, and iman itself refers to the inward actions. So with this, a person can be Muslim, a person can be Muslim with his outward actions, but not a mu'min with his inward actions. Like, like the hypocrites. Like the hypocrites. So the hypocrites, for example, they have the outward actions. The munafiqun, they have the outward actions. So they, on the apparent, they say the shahada, they say la ilaha illallah, they pray, they fast. They're given charity and they do as the Muslims do, open, uh, outwardly. But inwardly, they are not believers. They are not believers. So not every Muslim or every person who shows the outward actions is a believer. Also, you may have one who is Muslim, but he hasn't yet truly believed. New Muslims, for example. A new Muslim. They are Muslims, but Iman hasn't completed yet. Or that they are weak in Iman. And they don't have that complete Iman. Of that necessary level for, for it to be complete. That is why Allah said about the Bedouins, who, accept, who, who accepted Islam, they just accepted Islam. But Iman had not yet fully settled in their hearts. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He said, قَالَتِ الْأَعْرَابِ آمَنَّا 
But the Bedouins, they said, Amanna, we have believed, we have Iman. قُلْ لَمْ تُؤْمِنُوا وَلَكِنْ قُولُوا أَسْلَمْنَا Say, لَمْ تُؤْمِنُوا You have not believed, you don't have Iman. وَلَكِنْ قُولُوا But say, أَسْلَمْنَا But say, we, we are Muslims. We have submitted to Allah with Tawheed. وَلَمَّا يَدْخُلِ الْإِيمَانُ فِي قُلُوبِكُمْ And Iman has not yet entered your hearts. Meaning they were just new to Islam. That is why, for example, a person who, and we're going to talk about the pillars of Iman, if a person, he says, new Muslim, took the Shahada, and he carries out the five pillars in Islam, he is aware of them. But then when it comes to a pillar of Iman, something, of the, something from the affairs of the unseen, from the ghayb, like the angels, for example, he says, uh, nah, I, ca I can't see the angels, so I don't believe in the angels. Then it's possible that because he's new in Islam, he's not aware, and he, he needs to be taught. He needs to be taught. However, as we said, that Iman is a higher level than Islam. And in many of those narrations, where there is a mention that the one who does so-and-so that he doesn't believe, or there is a negation of Iman from him, then this is a negation of that Iman that is Kamil, that complete Iman. doesn't mean he's not a believer, it's just he doesn't have that complete Iman. That complete Iman. For example, when Allah when the Messenger of Allah وسلم, he said, لا يؤمن أحدكم حتى يحب لأخي ما يحب لنفسه one of you never, truly doesn't believe, meaning he doesn't have that iman that is kamil, that iman that is complete, up until he loves for his brother what he loves for himself. However, if a, if a Muslim believer in a particular situation, he doesn't love for his brother what he loves for himself, does that mean he doesn't believe? It's not the case. Rather what it means, he is a believer, but his iman is not complete. His iman is not complete. But he has the, so long as he believes in the six pillars of, of Iman, then he's a believer. He's a believer. But his Iman is not complete. Likewise, لا يؤمن من لا يأمن جاره بوائقه لا يؤمن, he doesn't believe the one whose neighbor isn't safe from his harm. The hadith also, لا يزني الزاني حين يزني وهو مؤمن The fornicator. When he fornicates, he doesn't fornicate whilst being a believer. He's not a believer when he fornicates. وَلَا يَسْرِقُ السَّارِقُ حِينَ يَسْرِقُ وَهُوَ مُؤْمِنُ And the one who steals, he doesn't believe. He's not a believer when he, at the point of stealing. And likewise, the one who drinks alcohol, he's not a believer at the time of him drinking alcohol. What does it mean? Does it mean he's a disbeliever? He doesn't have any iman at all? No, what it means is that his iman is not kamil. He hasn't reached that level where his iman is complete, where he will stay away from these things. So Islam has its meaning and iman has its own meaning. However, they can both come on their own and each one of them includes the meaning of the other. However, if they come separately, if iman and Islam come separately, then they both have their own meanings, as we just explained. As Islam, if it comes in the context or with Imam, mentioned in the same context, or in the same verse, or in the same hadith, for example, then Islam has the meaning of the outward actions, like in the hadith of Jibril that we're going to look at. That Islam is mentioned on its own, and Iman is mentioned on its own. So here Islam takes the meaning of the outward actions, and Iman takes the meaning of the inward actions. However, if they come separately, as we said, if they come separately, um, like in the example where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says, إِنَّ الْمُسْلِمِينَ وَالْمُسْلِمَاتِ وَالْمُؤْمِنِينَ وَالْمُؤْمِنَاتِ وَالْقَانِتِينَ وَالْقَانِتَاتِ To the end of the ayah. Where Allah, here Allah, He mentioned Islam separately and Iman separately. إِنَّ الْمُسْلِمِينَ وَالْمُسْلِمَاتِ وَالْمُؤْمِنِينَ وَالْمُؤْمِنَاتِ So here, we, we make a difference. In the Muslimin, Muslimat means those who perform those outward actions 
of Islam, the pillars of, of Islam. And the mu'mineen and the mu'minat, those who have the inward actions. So here, they have come together in the same verse. So here we say they both have their separate meanings. However, if one of them comes on its own, then it takes the meaning of the other also. So for example, what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says, إِنَّ الدِّينَ عِنْدَ اللَّهِ الْإِسْلَامِ He doesn't mention iman. That the religion with Allah is Islam. So that now here includes iman. The religion with Allah is Islam, meaning the five pillars of Islam and the six pillars of iman. Likewise, Whoever accept, whoever is pleased with other than Islam as his religion, then it will never be accepted from him. So here only Islam is mentioned. But it includes the meaning of Islam and the meaning of Iman together. Islam is of three levels, as the Imam he mentioned. Each level is higher than the one below it. Sheikh Zayd al-Madkhali, rahimahullah, he, he, he made it very clear in his book. You can see here, um, like, uh, like in the form of a, of a, uh, like a table, uh, I did print it, um, which makes it very clear. And I believe the sisters also should see it uh, on the wall in front of them. Here. So here you have three circles. This is, uh, I copied it from the book of the Sheikh. In the, in the Sheikh's explanation of this book. So you can see in the outward circle, what do you see? Islam. Islam. And then the one with the circle within that circle is Iman. And then even more specific is, or going more within the circle, you have Ihsan. So every person who comes with the outward actions of Islam, the five pillars, falls into that first circle. So whoever has the, the outward actions, he falls into that into that large circle. So that includes the hypocrites, the munafiqeen also. Because the munafiqeen, as we said, they have the outward actions. They have the outward actions, but they don't have that which is within the circle, uh, the, the circle of iman. So they don't enter into this circle. The munafiqeen, the hypocrites, don't enter into that circle of iman. So that's more specific now. Iman. And as we said, not every mu'min, not every believer, even if you have the, out, the, inward, the, the outward actions of Islam, the five pillars, and then you have the, the inward actions of Iman, the six pillars of Iman. That doesn't mean that automatically you are, you are a muhsin, that you have reached that level of ihsan. That's even more specific. Not every mu'min is a muhsin. And we're going to look at the definition of muhsin. Muhsin is the one who perfects his ibadah to the point it is as though he worships Allah and it is as though he sees Allah. It is as though he sees Allah. And very few reach this level of ihsan. So as the scholars they say, that each time you go up, it gets fewer. It's fewer. So that's a nice example from Sheikh Zayd. The Martabat al-Thaniyah, the second level, was the level of Iman. Iman in the language... In the Arabic language means a tasdiq. A tasdiq, which means to believe. To believe, just to simply believe. Like in the, in the saying of the brothers of Yusuf salam, When they said to their father, for those of you who know the story, when they went out with, the, with Yusuf, and they came back and they lied about Yusuf, and how the wolf uh, attacked Yusuf. When they came back and they explained this, they said to him, وَمَا أَنْتَ بِمُؤْمِنٍ لَنَا وَلَوْ كُنَّا صَادِقِينَ وَمَا أَنْتَ بِمُؤْمِنٍ مُؤْمِنٍ to, be, to believe. وَمَا أَنْتَ بِمُؤْمِنٍ لَنَا meaning, not a mu'min as in, although their father, Ya'qub was a believer, but here, the word mu'min is referring to the language, the, the linguistic meaning, which is to, to believe in something, to believe in some news. Meaning, you will not believe us. Even if we have been truthful. 
But in the lang in the in the religion, iman means qawlun bil lisan wa a'tiqadun bil janan wa amalun bil arkan yazidu bi ta'at ar-rahman wa yunqis bi ta'at ash-shaytan. Iman is state, statement upon the tongue, belief in the heart, actions upon the limbs. Yazid bi ta'at ar-rahman it increases with the obedience to ar-rahman to Allah and decreases with obedience to a shaytan meaning this it decreases with disobedience to Allah the imam he says wa huwa bid'un wa sab'un shu'ba fa'alaha qawl la ilaha illallah wa adnaha imatatul adha 'anit tariq wal haya' shu'batun min al-iman iman it is it has 70 odd branches fa'alaha its highest branch is the statement and the saying, La ilaha illallah. Its lowest branch is to remove something harmful from the road. And shyness, having shyness, is also a branch of iman. And it's from faith, from iman. This is taken from a hadith, from the hadith of the Messenger of Allah And here, the scholars, they mention that this hadith itself includes... The definition of Iman in the religion as we just mentioned. Meaning, statement upon the tongue, action of the heart, and actions of the limbs. And so when the Messenger of Allah he said that, he, that the highest branch of the Iman is قول لا إله إلا الله, that is speech. So he included speech as being a part of Iman. وَأَدْنَاهَا وَأَدْنَاهَا إِمَاتَةُ الْأَذَىٰ عَنِ الطَّرِيقِ And the lowest branch is to remove something harmful from the road. And that is action. That is action. وَالْحَيَاء And shyness is a branch of Iman. And shyness is an action of the heart. So this hadith itself includes statement, action of the heart, and Actions of the limbs. It's not the case, it's not the case that the one who has the higher, the highest branch, that automatically he's going to have the lowest branch. You may have one who says, La ilaha illallah. He has that highest branch. But it doesn't mean he's going to remove something from the harmful from the road. You can have a Muslim, Mu'min. He believes, but he doesn't remove something harmful from the road. And likewise, the opposite. That just because you have the smallest branch to remove something harmful from the road, doesn't mean that you have the highest branch. So, the one, for example, who removes something harmful from the road, but he refuses to say, La ilaha illallah. He's not a believer. So you may have people of the other religions, they have good actions with them. They have good actions. Some people, they say, look, look, look at some of the Christians, look at some of the Jews. Some of the Christians, look what they do. But all those good actions don't benefit without that that branch which is the highest branch of Iman. وَأَرْكَانُهُ And the pillars of Iman are six. كَمَا فِي الْحَدِيثِ As has come in the hadith. أَنْ تُؤْمِنَ بِاللَّهِ وَمَلَائِكَتِهِ وَكُتُبِهِ وَرُسُلِهِ وَالْيَوْمِ الْآخِرِ وَتُؤْمِنَ بِالْقَدْرِ خَيْرِهِ وَشَرِّهِ خَيْرِهِ وَشَرِّهِ That the pillars of Iman as six, to believe in Allah, to believe in the angels, to believe in his books, to believe in his messengers, to believe in the last day, and to believe in the qadr of Allah, it's good and it's bad. And the proof for these six pillars is the saying of Allah, لَيْسَ الْبِرَّ أَن تَوَلُّوا وَجُوهَكُمْ قِبَلَ الْمَشْرِقِ وَالْمَغْرِبِ وَلَكِنَّ الْبِرَّ مَنْ آمَنَ بِاللَّهِ وَالْيَوْمِ الْآخِرِ وَالْمَلَائِكَةِ وَالْكِتَابِ وَالنَّبِيِّينَ and the proof for Al-Qadr is And that is the saying of Allah that it is not righteousness that you turn your faces to the east or the west, but righteousness is to believe in Allah, the last day, the angels, the books and the prophets. And then in the other verse, we have created all things in accordance with pre-decreed measure. Question. In the first verse, there's a mention of five of the pillars of Iman. And then in the other verse, 
Qadr is mentioned. But then how can we say that Qadr, from all the verses that are in the Quran that mention many, many things, that we, that how can we say now that Qadr is a part of the, the six pillars? Because here, yes, the five I mentioned, that's clear. How can we say the Hadith of Jibreel, as he mentioned before in the Hadith? Because the Hadith of Jibreel that we're going to look into, when, when Gabriel, the angel, when he came to teach them the religion, the Sahaba, he included Qadr in the six pillars. Another question. Why, in the hadith of Jibreel, why did he mention the six pillars in this order? To believe in Allah, to believe in the angels, then the books, then the messengers, the last day, and then the Qadr. Why in that order? Why the angels before the messengers? Why the books before the messengers? And so on. In the same pattern as the Quran. Ah, if you look in the Quran, there's a different pattern. The last day comes straight after Allah. Believe in Allah. But in the hadith of Jibreel, he mentions them in this order. And there's a benefit to it. And the benefit is, as our Shaykh Salah al-Fawzan, Hafidhullah, he mentioned, is the belief in Allah, that's the asas, that's the foundation. If you don't believe in Allah, then you're not going to believe in anything else. You're not going to believe in the angels, the books and the messengers. So that's the foundation. So he began with the belief in Allah. Then the angels, why? Because the angels are the medium. Jibreel, Gabriel, he's the medium between Allah and the messengers. So that's why the angels came next. And then the books, because the books are that which the angels pass on to the messengers. And then the messengers, because the messengers receive the books, and that which is conveyed from the angels. And then the last day, because all of that that came before, the belief in Allah, the angels and the, mess and the, and the, and the books and the messengers, necessitate now that you work towards that last day. That you work towards that last day. And you act upon all of that. You act upon that belief in Allah. And everything that he necessitates. And everything that the other the pillars necessitate. And then the belief in Qadr. So that a person, he then takes the means and the asbab. He depends on Allah. He relies upon Allah. Because he knows. After knowing about Allah from the first pillar, his names and his attributes. And he knows that he, his affair is in the hands of Allah. That he, he takes the means. He, he acts upon all of those pillars. He acts upon Islam, and then he seeks the aid of Allah. He seeks the aid of Allah. The pillars of, of Iman, we would require more time to go through each pillar in, in detail, but very brief, briefly, the belief in Allah, as we mentioned in the lesson before the last lesson, is that the belief in Allah, it, comprises and includes the three categories of Tawheed. That we believe in, in the three categories of Tawheed. Who remembers them? Tawheed, Al-Rububiyyah, which means? In the Lordship of Allah, which means? Yeah, as we said, you can say that we single out Allah with His actions. So, with creating, providing, sustaining, arranging the affairs in the universe, and so on. And then, Tawheed, Al-Uluhiyya, which means to single out Allah with our actions, meaning our worship. All our worship is, to, is directed to Allah alone. And then the third, Tawheed, Al-Asma' Wa-Sifat, to single out, Allah, single out Allah with His names and His attributes. The belief in the angels... Firstly, the belief in the angels, then they are the creation of Allah. And as it's come in the hadith in, in, in Sahih Muslim, خُلِقَتِ الْمَلَائِكَةُ مِنْ نُورِ That the angels were created from light. وَخُلِقَ الْجَانِ مِنْ مَارِجٍ مِنْ نَارِ And the jinn were created from smokeless flames, fire. Smokeless fire. 
And Adam was created from that which has been described to you, meaning in the Quran. And we have been created from Tin, from clay. So the believer he believes that Allah created a creation in the heavens that worship him and carry out his commands who never disobey the commands of Allah. One who says that he doesn't believe in the angels because he doesn't see them. Is he a believer? Can he be a believer? He's not a believer. He's a disbeliever. Unless, as we mentioned before, if he's new to Islam, if he's new to Islam, then it is explained to him. All the angels in general that are mentioned in the Quran and in the Sunnah, we believe in them. And those mentioned specifically by name. Many angels. So there is one from the angels who has been charged with the wahi, with the revelation. One who has been charged with, with death. Malik al-Mawt. One who has been charged with the blowing of the horn. Another who has been charged with the, the, the rain, and the clouds, and the, the vegetation on the earth, and the growing of the vegetation on the earth. Those who have been charged with protecting human beings. So every person has angels that protect him. As Allah says in the Quran. And each person he has angels. You have an angel before you and an angel behind you who protect you. Meaning, with the command of Allah. You have angels on your right and your left. Those who write Kiram and Katibin. Those noble scribes, those angels that write. They know what you do. So how many, how many, each person, how many angels does he have with him? Four. At least four. Four. One before you, one behind you, on your right and on your left. Also there are others, Hamlatul Arsh, those who carry the throne of Allah. Many. But we believe in the, in the, all of the angels in a general sense, whether they are named or unnamed. Those who have been named, Jibreel, Mikael, Israfil, Ridwan, Sheikh Ibn Uthameen, he mentions that those narrations are weak. There's a difference of opinion. Also like Munkar Nakir, also. Munkar Nakir, those two angels that would come, as we talked about in the previous lectures, those two angels that would come and question the individual with these questions in the grave, that there's some difference of opinion. Some scholars authenticate the hadith, some scholars don't. But that which we are sure about, the names that have come in the Quran, Jibreel, Mikael, Israfil, there's been mention of Israel in some, 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 from amongst the general people, they say Israel. Israel, they say, the angel of death. But that again hasn't been established. And also Malik, Malik in the Quran, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, وَنَادُوا يَا مَالِكِ لِيَقَدِ عَلَيْنَا رَبُّكِ That they will call, O Malik, meaning the keeper of the fire. Let your Lord put an end to us. Ridwan, they say, some say he's the keeper of paradise. The keeper of paradise. But again, that hasn't been established in a clear way as Malik. The three or three of the greatest angels are Jibreel, Mikael, and Israfil. Does anyone know why these three are the greatest of the angels? What's the relevance of these three being the greatest? Okay, mashallah. 
Okay, very good, very good. Yeah, mashallah, mashallah. Like, it's right. Because all of these three angels, if you look at their muhimmat, their tasks, they're connected to life. All of them connected, connected to life. So, Jibreel, as the brother he mentioned, he comes with what? He's charged with? With wahi. With, with passing the revelation to the messengers. And that wahi and that revelation is what gives life to the hearts. <coughs> Mikhail is in charge of? Provision. Provisions, the rain, clouds, vegetation, which gives life to the bodies. Which give life to the bodies. And Israfil? The blowing of the horn. And that is when life is given again. After everyone dies. So all of them, their muhimmat, their tasks are connected to life. And just on that point, that how does the belief in the angels affect the Muslim? It's not just something that we believe in and that's it. But you should know that there are angels with us right now. Angels, you have four angels with you. You have four angels with you. And as it's come in the hadith, وَمَجْتَمَعَ قَوْمٌ فِي بَيْتٍ مِنْ بِيُوتِ اللَّهِ يَتْلُونَ كِتَابَ اللَّهِ وَيَتَدَارَسُونَهُ بَيْنَهُمْ إِلَّا نَزَلَتْ عَلَيْهِمْ السَّكِينَةِ That there is not a group of people who gather in a house from the houses of Allah, meaning in the, in the masajid, in the mosques, who recite the Qur'an and they study the Qur'an between themselves, like we're doing today. We're bringing ayat, we're studying the book, the, the, the book of Allah. We're studying the religion of Allah. إِلَّا نَزَلَتْ عَلَيْهِمْ السَّكِينَةِ They don't do this except that tranquility descends upon them. وَغَشِيَتْهُمُ الرَّحْمَةِ And the mercy of Allah encompasses them and covers them. وَحَفَّتْهُمُ الْمَلَائِكَةِ And the angels surround them. We have angels surrounding us. So, you know, a Muslim should have an effect on his life. You have people, they're scared of the jinn. They're scared of the jinn. They believe in the world of the jinn and it's good. They believe in the jinn. But also we believe in the angels. And that is why some of the salaf, they will say, be shy from those who never leave you. Because the angels never leave you. They're always there. Be shy from them. As for the books of Allah, then again, in general, we believe in them. In the books that have been mentioned by name, and the books in general. So those books that have been mentioned, and there is ijma' consensus from the scholars, and from the Muslims, are Torah, Injil, Zabur, and the Qur'an. And there's something else. Suhuf Ibrahim. The scriptures that were given to Ibrahim. Ahsantum. The belief in the messengers, the messengers of Allah. And again, we believe in every messenger sent. And a messenger is different from a prophet. A messenger is different from he who was sent as a prophet. Every messenger is a prophet, but not every prophet is a messenger. Anyone know the difference between a prophet and a messenger? Ahsant. Ahsant. Uh, okay, the, so the Prophet, does he receive, is he inspired? Yeah. Hmm? Yes, he's inspired, but he's not commanded to deliver. To good, good, good. Because some people may understand that the Prophet is not inspired. He's still, he's inspired. He receives guidance, commands from Allah. But Shaykh Salih, uh, Salih bin Abdul Aziz al-Shaykh, he mentioned a nice point. He said, in, in, differentiating between a prophet and a messenger. And Shaykh Islam Ibn Taymiyyah also has some nice uh, speech on this in his kitab, Kitab al-Nubawat. He says that a messenger receives revelation and legislation. He receives revelation and legislation. He receives shara. And he is ordered to convey to a people who oppose, mukhalifin, people who oppose. As for a prophet, then he is also inspired. 
But he doesn't receive shara, legislation, new legislation, but rather he acts upon the previous legislation. But he's still inspired. There, are, there is mention in some of the narrations, however, again, some scholars declare them authentic, others weak, that there were how many messengers sent? 300? Okay, good. Some mention 315, and others mention 300 odd. 310 odd. So 313 could come, come, come into that. The prophets? 124,000 has been mentioned. Also 120,000 has been mentioned. Um, however, there is a difference of opinion in that. The belief in the last day. The belief in the last day, and what's intended by Al-Yawm Al-Akhir, the last day, is Al-Yawm Al-Qiyamah, that day of standing. But it is called the last day because it comes after the first day. This is what Sheikh Salih Al-Fawzan, he mentioned, is that the last day, what's intended by it is Yawm Al-Qiyamah, the day of standing. But the reason why it's called the last day is because it comes before the first day. And the first day is that day in this dunya. The first day is the day in this dunya. And then the next day is the last day, or the day of standing. That's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he refers to this, the life of this world as though it's just one day. And tomorrow, the next day, is the last day. Yom Qiyamah. What, uh, يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا اتَّقُوا اللَّهَ وَالْتَنْظُرْ نَفْسٌ مَا قَدَّمَتْ لِغَدْ All you who believe, fear Allah, and let each soul look to that which he has put forward for, غد, tomorrow. That's how soon it is. So Iman in the last day, it includes everything that happens after death. In the grave. That hal and that situation in the grave. The questioning, the punishment, the bliss. The questioning and the reckoning, the hisab before Allah. The weighing of the good deeds and the bad deeds. Crossing the bridge. Entering paradise and hellfire. That belief in the last day includes all of this. The qadr. Pre-decree. Then that is to believe. That everything that happens within this creation. From good and bad. From belief. Iman and kufr. From belief and disbelief. From. Ni'm. Blessings. And. Uh, punishment from good times and bad times, from good health and bad health, all of these things, life and death, everything, is all pre-decreed and was written by Allah 50,000 years before the creation. And again, we don't really have enough time to explain every pillar in detail, but very briefly, the Qadr of Allah and the belief in the Qadr of Allah, it comprises of four things. The first is Al-Ilm, knowledge. And when we say that we believe in the Qadr of Allah, that we believe that Allah knows everything and He knew everything before, 50,000 year, years before the, cre the creation, He, uh, the, everything that would happen within the creation was written down. And that's the kitabah, the second matter that Allah had written down everything that will happen within the creation from the beginning to the end. Likewise, the Mashiach, the will of Allah, that Allah, nothing will happen within this creation except whatever Allah wills. And that He willed for us to have a free will. It doesn't mean that we don't have a will. We have a will. You choose to believe or disbelieve. You choose to do good or bad. But you can't do anything from that unless Allah wills. And the last is Al-Khalq. That everything within the creation, everything within the creation that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He created that. The Imam then he goes on to mention Al-Ihsan. And he mentions that Ihsan is that you worship Allah that you worship Allah as though you see Him. And that even though you don't see Him, that He know that He sees you. That He sees you. The meaning of Ihsan 
is perfection in worship. And the muhsin is one who worships Allah as though he can see him, and with certainty, as the scholars they mention. And he's fully aware, he's fully aware that Allah sees him in every situation, open, hidden. His actions, his worship, that Allah sees all of this. He's aware of this. And so his actions and his ibadah, his worship, reflect this. Not just that you know, because all of us, we know this. We know that Allah sees everything. But just knowing this is not enough. But it's acting upon it. Acting in that way. And so a person, his, his actions and his worship reflect that. That he worships Allah as though he sees Allah. And that's why there's coming that dua. As we mentioned last week, I think it was last week, that the Messenger of Allah وسلم, he said to Mu'adh, anhu, he said, Ya Mu'adh, Wallahi inni uhibbuk. He said, Oh Mu'adh, by Allah, I love you. He said, La tada'. Don't leave at the end of your prayer to say, Allahumma, a'inni, ala dhikrika, wa shukrika, wa husni ibadatik. وَحُسْنِ عِبَادَتِكَ Oh Allah, aid me in giving thanks to you. عَلَىٰ ذِكْرِكَ وَشُكْرِكَ عَلَىٰ ذِكْرِكَ In remembering you. And giving thanks to you. وَحُسْنِ عِبَادَتِكَ And perfection in worship. That ihsan. A person should make the dua. A person should make the dua. Do you make it before or after the taslim? Scholars differ in that. But Shaykh Salih Fawzan and many of the scholars, they say that it's better to do it, with, to do it with, within. After you send the salat and salam upon the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, and you make the dua, whatever du'as you make, that you do it before the taslim. Why? Because dua within ibadah is better. Making dua within ibadah, what, we, what do we mean by within ibadah? Within prayer. Just like when you're in sujood, one of the best times for you to make dua. And then the imam, he mentions the hadith of Jibreel. The hadith of Jibreel, and he says that the proof from the sunnah, is the hadith of Jibreel. Now, as it refers to the hadith of Jibreel, ikhwa, this hadith is a tremendous hadith. Tremendous hadith. Many benefits. But we're not going to be able to go through the hadith in detail due to the time that was allocated. However, the hadith mentions that Jibreel, he came to the Sahaba and he came to them in a form of a man. Shadid bayad al-thiyab with extremely white clothing. Shadid al-shawad al-shaw His hair was extremely black. La yura alayhi athar al-safar We didn't see Upon him the effects of travel. And what was meant by this is that he wasn't someone we knew. He wasn't someone from within the community of the Muslims. None of us knew him. But at the same time, his appearance showed to us that he wasn't someone who was a traveler from outside of the community, from outside of the city. Because the norm is that whoever travels in the desert, is he's gonna, you're going to see the effects of travel upon him. In his hair, in his clothes. But his clothes were extremely clean, white. And his hair was, was black. And so he came and he sat by the Messenger of Allah and asked him about these three levels of the religion. And as a point, as a point of benefit, the Messenger of Allah وسلم, in, the, in that hadith in Sahih Muslim, he said, I didn't see Jibreel ala suratihi allati khuliq alayha that I didn't see Jibreel in his true appearance as an angel and how he was created except marratain, except twice. That hadith in Sahih Muslim. Every other time, he came in the appearance of a man. On this particular occasion, he came as someone unknown. He came as someone unknown. 
Because the Sahaba, they said that none of us knew him. But many a times, as a, as a nice benefit, he would come in the appearance of a companion. A noble companion. Does anyone know who that companion is? Huh? al-Kalbi. Mumtaz, mashallah al-Kalbi. ibn Khalifa al-Kalbi. Sahabi al-Jaleel. That he would come, sometimes he would come in the appearance of Dahit al-Kalbi, the Sahabi. And in fact, Ibn Abbas, he mentions that whenever he would come, because they would strike an example of, of handsomeness. Well, the handsomeness of a man, they, whenever they would strike an example, they would strike the example of Dahiyya. Of Dahiyya, because he was extre- extremely handsome. To the point where Ibn Abbas, he mentions, uh, Ibn Hajar, he mentions that Ibn Abbas, that he, he said that whenever Dahiyya would come to Medina, the women, not a single woman would stay in a house because she'd go out wanting to see, have a look at Dahiyya. Wanting to have a look at Dahiyya. Wow, how handsome he was. So that's why Jibreel, السلام, he would come in the presence of, in the, in the form of Dahiyya. However, in this particular hadith, can we say he came as Dahiyya? Why? Because they didn't recognize him. So in this particular occasion, he came in the appearance of a man that they didn't know. And at the end, he said to the Sahaba, he said, "Hada Jibril, atakum, yallimukum amradinikum." This was Jibril. That was Jibril. That man who came and asked those questions. That was Jibril, who came to teach you your religion. Many, many other benefits just from that hadith. And maybe one day, inshallah, we can sit with just that hadith. With just that hadith. And so many benefits that we can take from that hadith. And we'll end with that with, uh, as it relates to the second principle, the second question. One able to, to go into the hadith of Jibreel in detail. But however, um, inshallah, um, uh, we can maybe as a separate lecture uh, go through the hadith of Jibreel in detail. Uh, for there are many benefits, ayyul ikhwah. And even for myself, just to recap those those benefits. Uh, so inshallah we will we'll maybe do that on a different day. We mentioned last week, so just on just a couple of questions as it relates to this second principle. We mentioned last week that the pillars of Islam, we mentioned when they were made obligatory. The first pillar in Islam, when was that made obligatory? Immediately, with the bi'tha, with, with the sending of the Messenger of Allah The second pillar, salah, when was that made obligatory? Hmm? Excellent. The Isra and the Mi'raj, the night journey. What year was that around? Hmm? Not 10th. 13th. 13th. Just, be- just before the, the, the Hijrah, uh, by a few months, some scholars say. Tayyip. Zakat. Third? After the Hijrah, definitely, but which year after the Hijrah? Which year after the Hijrah? No one took notes? Second year. Second year. Imran was the only one who took notes. And the Siyam. Mata for the Siyam. When was the Siyam made obligatory? Same time. Imran again. Second year. The Hajj. The ninth year. The ninth year. MashaAllah. The ninth year. Excellent. Okay. We explained the five pillars as it relates to the to the, 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 the reoccurrence of these pillars, we explain them in a, in, a, in a particular way. Who remembers that? How often they occur? The pillars. The, 
The first pillar, how often does that occur? Every moment. Every moment. Every moment. The first pillar, the testification, the belief, La ilaha illallah, Muhammad Rasulullah, that does not cease. It doesn't stop. Every moment of your life, the Muslim, then he doesn't stop believing in that. He doesn't stop saying it. He doesn't stop acting upon it. The five prayers. Every day, five times a day. And there's another prayer, also Jum'ah, every week. Okay. What about the Siyam? Once a year. Zakat? Once a year. Hajj? Once a lifetime. What's the difference between Iman and Islam and Iman? Islam? Outward actions? And Iman? Inward actions. So what happens if they both come together in the same verse? Hmm? If they come together, they take their definitions, as you just gave. And if, they, if Islam comes on its own, includes Iman also, the inward actions and the outward actions. And likewise, Iman. If Iman comes on its own, it includes the meaning of Islam. So we'll end with that. Um, and next week we begin with the third principle, the third question. Who is your prophet? And we're going to look at the some of the biography of the Messenger of Allah Wasallam, his his lineage. And if time allows, we'll go into some some detail about that. We can extract some nice benefits from even just from the lineage of the Messenger of Allah. And also we're going to look at, like we said, the biography, the hijrah, when he was commissioned as a prophet, when he made the hijrah, how long he stayed in Mecca and Medina, all of that we're going to look into, inshaAllah ta'ala. Wafaqallahu al-jami'ah. Lima yuhibuhu yurda'a wa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam ala nabina Muhammad wa ala alayhi wa sahbihi ajma'in.